0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network.
1: It is time. It is time. They can't be Packers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a brother powered by the at Podcast Network. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. This is a take two on, on the pod because I got ranty in the first one. <clears throat> and I'm probably still going to touch on the topic that made me ranty, which was Romo Dobbs. We're going to try and be a little more organized here. I'm going to have to start off with a rant. And the topic today is supposed to be where would Aaron Rodgers wind up in a trade because that was the question that was sent in uh I got some other interesting things that I do want to talk about but had some listener interest in where is Rodgers going to end up and to be clear I'm I I have some Packers uh burnout if you will it's not at like, I, I'm, I'm, I still want to talk about the Packers. I'm still excited about the Packers and the, the players that we have and the potential that we have. I have some burnout of why are we always going over the same stuff in terms of, like, every single offseason now. We have to deal with the whole what's Aaron going to do, and let's just sit around and wait until March or August for Aaron to decide what he's going to do. I'm just tired of that. I'm also tired of let's run it back for the fifth year in a row. Pretty vocally after the 2020 season, I was very publicly opposed to running it back in 2021. I said, that was stupid. I said, we have to move on from some of these players. And I applauded the sort of little mini teardown that we did a year ago. It was like a, a reload year <clears throat> where we are uh, not of our own uh, volition moving on from Devontae Adams. He decides he wants to leave. And that forces some changes with the team. And overall, obviously, the team was worse in 2022 I thought that was fine because I didn't think we were a good team in 2021. And I thought let's go ahead and rip off the band-aid now, do, you know, have a, have a little bit of a dip year here in 2022 and then we can really bounce back in 2023. And I still think that we are really primed to to do that if we make the right moves. And I I'm feeling some burnout. Because it doesn't feel like we're going to go about this the right way. Now, it's premature. I gotta wait. I do trust Goot. I trust, for the most part, Packers front office. I think that they really mishandled 2021. I think that they... To an extent, I think they mishandled 2022, but also... A lot of the things that they did that seemed to not work were sort of like bite the bullet moves and moves that I had been calling for. And I had said at the time, like, hey, you know, this probably results in a not as good of a team in 2022, but then you're in a position that you can be better going forward. And and so maybe the payoff is now for that. Okay. Okay. But if you're going to bring back... Randall Cobb and Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis and try and bring back Alan Lazard. And you're not going to move on from Aaron Jones and you're just going to keep kicking his dead money down the road. Was that good enough in 2022? Obviously not. There's a, there's a parallel that you can make here. 2019, the offense was not good enough and we were frustrated with it. And, Then we ran it back in 2020 with exactly the same guys, and it was good enough. Now, what happened? Well, we said in the 2020 offseason, hey, look, the, the big problem is that we don't have a number two who can take pressure off of Devontae Adams. We also said, hey, there's a problem here in that Aaron Rodgers is not throwing the ball to the wide open guy. The guy who is schemed open, he's just not throwing the ball. He has an aversion to the middle of the field. He's not letting it rip. He just holds on to the ball and keeps looking for the big chunk play to develop downfield. And so in 2020, he starts throwing to the wide open guy who is schemed open and then everybody collectively is getting the ball spread all around and that does take the pressure off of Devontae Adams and the offense is explosive in 2020. So is there Something here that we can look at that would conceivably give you a similar boost. And we're going to talk, I promise, in, in just a little bit, we're going to talk about possible trade destinations for Rogers because we're going to answer the listener question. But I, I want to explore this line of thinking first. Is there anything from 2022 that we could conceivably expect to change and develop in? In 2023, this is where I got off base on my first recording because I went off on a big <clears throat> rant about how Romeo Dobbs is not as good as you think he is. <laughs> um, and we'll probably still get to that at the end of this podcast because I think it's worth saying. We had two main complaints about the offense. <clears throat> well, really, we had four main complaints about the offense in 2022, but two of them weren't really about the pass game. All right, you, you, you had a big concern for a lot of the season about the offensive line, and I think that's a separate issue. You also had a big frustration about the running back usage. All right, but again, I'm keeping the running game a separate topic. In the past game, you had two concerns. <laughs> really, there, there's a frustration about every uh, element, of the offense. All right, we've hit on offensive line, we've hit on running back. These last two frustrations are the receiving uh weapons, if you will, and the quarterback. So really the whole offense just wasn't any good. <laughs> but the the receiving option uh frustration that you had was that so often you felt like you just didn't actually have enough good guys out there. Because you'd have games where Rogers was playing really, really well, especially early on in the season, uh, before the broken thumb and, and before he got all skittish and scared in the pocket. <clears throat> I'm thinking about the Tampa game in particular. He played, I think, really well. And it seemed like he was choosing to trust guys and deliver the ball to them, and it didn't always pay off. You had... Guys dropping balls. You had guys not catching clearly catchable balls, and obviously the the biggest example that comes to mind is that first shot in the Minnesota game to Christian Watson. Like obviously that play was on Christian. It was a perfectly thrown ball. It was right there. It just went right through his hands. And you had a lot of plays like that early on in the season where the fault clearly lie uh, laid with the receiver. And then as Christian Watson really emerged and developed into kind of our number one down the stretch at the end of the season, you felt like we were really close to having enough uh, receiving threats. Christian Watson can stretch the field. He can take the focus of the defense and put it all entirely on him. And that should allow for a guy like Lazard to really feast underneath. Problem is that Lazard really was not playing well. And we all saw that. And some people saw that and said, well, it's just because he's just not a good player. I saw it and said, I I think that he doesn't want to be here. It looks like his heart is not in it. He's not having fun. I don't think that he and Rogers are getting along. Seems like he wants to get out of Dodge. And Romeo Dobbs was absent. And then when he came back, he was spotty and inconsistent and had drops issues. And he had some fumble issues on the season. And Randall Cobb would sometimes be kind of exactly what you needed. And then other times he would just kind of pull a disappearing act. And then you had a week where everything all came together except all of a sudden, mysteriously, Christian Watson is just not a a factor at all anymore. <clears throat> and then you had the whole other issue of Aaron not throwing to the open guy. And and why that's still a thing in freaking 2022, I don't know. Because I thought we saw that back in 2020. And then 2021 uh is just a weird, wonky year. Where he kind of again is just going back to Staring guys down, and this happened more and more throughout the season, uh, you know, to, later in the year. But he's just staring guys down, and then only throwing to Devontae, only throwing to Devontae. He got guys wide, freaking open. He's only throwing to Devontae, and he's not even looking at anybody else, except for on the plays where he only looks at somebody else. And Devontae is screaming wide open, but Aaron is just still just staring down the guy that he chose pre-snap to throw to, and then he wins MVP, whatever. In 2022, he's doing this all freaking year long. And I like Aaron. And I think that he is talented enough that he should be the best quarterback in the league. Sometimes, sometimes he does this. And he did it for kind of the whole 2022 season. If he's thrown to the wide open guy. I still think we don't have quite enough pieces. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs I don't think are enough. And I don't think that Randall Cobb moves the needle for me at all. I think if Al Mazard comes back and they give him a multi-year contract and pay him uh, to the extent that he actually feels valued, I think that he is a really good wide receiver two or three. I think he really loves comfortably as a wide receiver three. So if you can, if you can smooth over that relationship and actually make him excited about being here and him being excited about being here includes him being excited about being a wide receiver three, I don't think any of this is likely, (laughs) but I think he moves the needle for me in a way that Randall Cobb does not. And I think those three guys maybe are enough. You got to bring in somebody else. And Aaron also has to throw to a guy when he's open. And if Aaron can't throw to a guy who's open, I don't want him back. Period. I don't. I mean, it, 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 this should not be a controversial opinion. If we, if we drop a play designed to get a guy open and then he's the only guy who's open on that play and you refuse to throw him the ball, I don't want you as my quarterback. If you take a sack because you held on the balls for too long, or you throw it away, or you throw it in the dirt, or you throw it in triple coverage, and there was a wide open guy the whole time, and you just didn't see him, even though that was is the guy that the play was designed to free up, I don't want you as my quarterback. I'm not saying no to Aaron Rodgers the person, or Aaron Rodgers the quarterback for that matter. I am saying no to the version of Aaron Rodgers that showed up in 2022. And frankly, I'm saying no to the version of Aaron Rodgers that showed up in 2021. I don't think he should have won MVP that year. He deserved MVP in 2020. He did not deserve it in 2021. Joe Burrow should have won the MVP in 2021. I thought that Aaron had several good games, like three quarters of the way through the season. I thought he ended on a really poor note. I thought he started on a really poor note. And then that the style of play that he was running in 2021 carried over into 2022. And I don't want that back. So if Aaron is going to throw to the wide open guy like he did in 2020, regardless of whether Devontae is here, because it's not just a Devontae thing. All right. Devonte was here in 2019 and you didn't throw to the wide open guy. You had plays where Al Nazard or Robert Tunyon were, Screaming across the middle of the field, wide open, nobody on him, and you don't throw him the ball, and you're forcing it into triple coverage to Devontae. Quit freaking doing that. He did that again in 2021. And in 2022, it's like he shut his brain off. And yeah, probably some of that had to do with the poor offensive line play. But you know what? The offensive line started playing better. And by the end of the season, I think the offensive line was doing fine. And you still had all these issues with Aaron's game. And you know what? I'm happy to blame the thumb if you want to. But that means that the thumb needs to be healed in 2023. And those problems can't still be here. Okay? So that's where I'm at with the offense. And and I I have my frustrations here of I don't want to keep paying these old guys. I don't want to pay Randall Cobb. I don't want to pay... Um, I mean, he's not that old, but I I don't really want Tunyon back unless we're gonna bring him back, but we are bringing in somebody else to be tight end one. You know, draft Michael Mayer. I would love to draft Michael Mayer. I don't think there's really anybody out there in free agency that you can bring in, but I just uh, why? Because we're pro- if if we if we bring Tunnyan back, we're gonna give him a pay raise, and I don't think he was really worth the money that he. Got in 2021, but we're going to make him probably a top 10 paid tight end in the league because Tunyon thinks he deserves that and because the Packers don't want to let him walk and because Aaron Rodgers wants it back. So I'm right there. I can I can very easily get so excited about this offseason, and, and it's right there. We have a much better draft pick than we usually do. It's not a good one, but it's much better than we usually do. We have some clear areas of the roster where we can upgrade. We have some dead weight that we can move away from. And we can all, we can do all of this and still bring Aaron Rodgers back. We can. But we also could move on from Aaron Rodgers. And that could be a Packers decision or it could not be. You've heard the. Adam Schefter report that the, that both sides have been discussing the reality of maybe there's a trade. Here's where I'm at in in what I think is going on behind the scenes. Aaron Rodgers has made a lot of cryptic comments and Brian Gutekins has not really made any cryptic comments. And If you take what the two guys have said and kind of split the difference, and Matt LaFleur as well, here's what I think is going on behind the scenes. And Boy, am I glad we didn't make the playoffs. (laughs) I'm so glad we didn't make the playoffs. I think that Matt LaFleur is in the middle of assessing his coaching staff and Brian Gutekinds is in the middle of assessing his roster. And I think that there are some guys on the chopping block on both sides. And I think Aaron Rodgers has very strong opinions about that. And I think that he is frustrated with the direction that those conversations are going. And therefore he goes to the media and tries to put a little bit of leverage on the Packers using the media, because that is the most powerful negotiating tool that he has to try and get the outcome that he desires. Who are these names? Well, when it comes to players, he listed an interesting name right off the bat, which was David Bakhtiari. And it's interesting to me because I think I did a whole episode talking about Bakhtiari's contract and how it doesn't really make sense to move on from him right now unless you just think he can't play anymore. But uh Brian Goodkin said that he wants Bakhtiari back. So I do think that there is an element of possibly them waiting on Bakhtiari to make a decision with his family about whether he wants to come back and play. All right? I can see that. That would kind of explain some of the questions about, well, why would Rogers think Bakhtiari might not be back? And Gudikin says, "No, we want him back." Well, maybe Bakhtiari is the one who's not sure that he should come back, because after all, he's he has a lot of health concerns. He's he's not old. He is going to be 32 this year. That's not really old for an offensive lineman. He could still play. I think for several more years, probably. I, th- I think that he could put in another five, six years at, at a high level. That's my layman's opinion, but David and his wife have to make that decision for themselves about, is this the best thing to do for David and for our family? But it doesn't make sense to me to move on from him right now. Here's, here's how the timing works. He has a roster bonus due on March 20th of $9.5 million. His total cap number this year would be 28, almost $29 million. That's a lot. Um, that is almost 13% of the cap. Okay. However, if you were to cut him, he would have a dead cap of 23 million dollars. By not bringing Bakhtiari back in 2023, you are saving just a hair under 6 million bucks. What it comes down to is do you want to pay 28 million or sorry, do you want to pay 23 million dollars this year to not have him on your team this year or do you want to pay him million next year to not be on your team next year. Because if you keep him this year, the only new money that you are really adding is a $6.7 million base salary and a $9.5 million roster bonus. So that's 13 million bucks to have David Bakhtiari as your left tackle. To me, that is, that is really worth it to pay 13 million bucks for one extra season of David Bakhtiari. Now the cap numbers are all, are all a lot higher, but that's not for 2023. That's, that is just paying off what you got out of him in 2021 and 2022, which admittedly <laughs> you didn't get very much out of him in 2021. That's a fact. Uh You got nothing out of him in 2021, but that's just the unfortunate cost of football. So, his cap number in 2023 is very high, but that's because you're paying off 2021 and 2022 to me, the clean break happens a year from now. I don't see any reason why he'd be back here in 2024, unless he just is playing at a supremely um, high level. And then at that point, you know, he's got a $33 million cap hit, but that's the final year of his contract. You give him an extension and lower that cap hit. That's what you do there. So, I just, I just don't see any reason to move on from him right now. The other guys Aaron wants back, talked about it. Randall Cobb, uh, Bob Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Alan Lazard. Now stay with me here. This is interesting. I think David Bakhtiari is a Bakhtiari decision. I think that Mercedes Lewis is a Mercedes Lewis decision. I think the Packers would happily have Mercedes back for one more year. He won't be very expensive, and I think that he's worth what you pay him. I think the Packers like to have him back. He had a good season in 2022. I also think Alan Lazard is an Alan Lazard decision, because I think the Packers would bring him back, but it wouldn't be for a ton of money, and Alan Lazard is already publicly saying that he basically doesn't want to be here. So Aaron is making this comment about, yeah, I want to be back, but only as long as these five guys are here and three of them, I think the Packers would bring back. And it's just a question of, do these guys want to be back? For two of them, it's, do they want to keep playing? And for a third one, it's, uh, it's, it's, does he want to play for the Packers? And did, did Aaron mention Mason Crosby? He might have. Uh, Crosby again is a guy I think is a Crosby decision. I don't remember if Aaron mentioned him or not though. You know, but Aaron is saying a couple things. He's saying, I kind of only want to be back here if my buddies are here. He's also saying, I only want to be back here if this team can is in a position where they can win a Super Bowl. And I, and I think that what he very clearly is saying, I think is also evident to everybody else. This roster is not actually good enough to win a Super Bowl right now. It's probably a couple of pieces away. I think one of those pieces... Is another established pass catcher. Could that be a rookie? Well, I think the fact that Christian Watson is going to have a whole year under his belt probably enables you to have that new guy be a rookie because then Watson is a little bit more of that established presence. I mean, it's only, <laughs> he's not that established. He's only year two, but you get where I'm saying, where it's like, all right, we bring in a new guy who we hope can really Move the needle for us, but we have a guy who we already kind of know what we have in him. Okay. I think that's a piece. I think as far as the actual roster goes, another pass catching option, whether that's a really good tight end or whether that's a really good receiver, probably moves the needle enough for me to declare them Super Bowl contenders. But then the coaching staff is another matter. And I think this is the other aspect of that equation. I don't think Adam Stenovich had a very good first year. And I, I put a lot of thought into this because I really have liked Steno for a long time. But the biggest things that are on the plate of an offensive coordinator, because Matt LaFleur is the play caller. The biggest things that are on the plate of the offensive coordinator are running the practices, right? Coordinating the development of the whole offense. And more importantly, scouting upcoming opponents. It sure felt like we had enough games this year where we did not know how to attack the opponent. And then the overall offense was sloppy way too many penalties, too much disorganization going on too much shuffling of the offensive line. And also delayed shuffling of the offensive line. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's hard to thread that needle perfectly where, you know, you, you hopefully make the right call to begin with about where guys should be. And then you don't move them around too much. But you also don't leave a bad unit out there for too long without making a change, right? It, I mean, sure, that's hard to do. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it right. It took way too long to get five good offensive, uh, good offensive linemen on the field. I think, although I would probably bring Adam Stenovich back, I think there are really good reasons not to bring him back. And you have kind of a plethora of options out there to choose from. All right. Nathaniel Hackett is available. He seems to do a, a fine job running practices and preparing a game plan for our opponents. When he was here, he's available. There's also Mike LaFleur, Matt's little brother. I don't really want Mike here because I think that Matt has a hard enough time firing guys who need, need to be fired. And I do not trust him to fire his little brother, but that's an option. You've got a couple of other guys. Greg Roman was just let go by the Ravens, and uh, then this next one's gonna be pretty unpopular, but I think it's still worth thinking about, and that is Byron Leftwich, was fired by the uh, Buccaneers. So you got some established guys who have done it. I think that we are waiting for a few things. One, yes, we are waiting for Aaron to decide if he wants to play football again. Or not. Because if he just wants to hang up the cleats, then he's going to hang up the cleats. And I think that that's on the table for him. You're also waiting for the Packers to make some decisions about coordinators, coaches, and players. And that is, is to an extent, it's going to depend on Aaron's decision. Because I think if Aaron is not coming back, then there's a few guys who are gone no matter what. And if Aaron does come back, then there has to be a conversation between Aaron and the front office about, Hey, look, we don't want this guy, but you're saying you need to have him. Okay. We'll give you this guy in exchange for we're moving on from this other guy. Okay. I I think that that is going to happen. So there's a lot of moving parts here. I think Aaron would like a new offensive coordinator. I don't think that he enjoyed having Steno as the OC, and he voiced some frustration with both the play calling, which is Matt LaFleur, with the philosophy of the offense. That's partly LaFleur, partly Steno. Expressed frustration with some of the guys around him. That's partly the players, partly the position coaches, partly Steno, partly LaFleur. Yeah, and this is all on the offensive side of the ball. We haven't even talked about the defense yet, and the defense needs some help. Joe Barry, I am positive will be back. I'm not as positive about all the position coaches. For example, I think, uh, I think there's a non-zero chance that Jerry Gray gets a job elsewhere, either same position or which which might be a mutual parting of the ways, and I'd be maybe okay with that or just getting a defensive coordinator gig elsewhere. And again, I'd be okay with that because I don't really want Jerry as our DC. No, April is a long way away, but we have a lot of decisions that need to be made before we know what exactly we want to do in the draft. And one of the biggest things to can, to contemplate here is what you do with the quarterback position, because let's, Imagine a world here where Aaron comes to the Packers and says, all right, I have decided I do want to be back. I want you to do X, Y, Z for me that the Packers agree to, but I'm going to be back for the next two years. And then I'm officially going to hang up the cleats. Well, at that point you are outside the window of being able to keep love around. So it makes sense at that point to trade love. And I think it makes sense abundant sense to draft a quarterback who is a bit of a project. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you've already have seen that I'm a big believer in Anthony Richardson, but there's other quarterbacks in this class who have really high upside and who need a ton of development. But that would be the kind of decision that is really dependent on what the Packers do here. Now I'm, A little bit less um, able to see the path forward to a trade of Rodgers. And that has nothing to do with the salary cap. There are uh, folks that I like and respect who will tell you flat out, like, no, the Packers can't trade him. It's too cost prohibitive. Baloney. It's absolutely on the table to trade him. But what is the scenario that unfolds? Where he is traded, I, I have a harder time seeing that because I don't really think the Packers want to trade him. And I'm not sure which which teams he would want to go to. Let's look at the list of teams that would make sense for him to end up with. Oh, shoot. We got to take a an ad break. We're going to do that right now. And then I have the list. Uh, I promise I will not stall anymore. We'll do the ad break and then immediately hop into this list.
0: Anyways, that's arena club.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: Okay. So there's, there's uh, two lists that I have here. One is the list that uh, Bill Huber put together from sports illustrated. Um, and I like the thought process that he put in. And so I'm actually going to talk about the teams that he listed, but the second list is on over the cap. And it's just who has the most salary cap space. And one of the, one of the things is that when you look at the list of who has the most salary cap space, you find a ton of teams right at the top who are not paying good quarterbacks. And that's a big chunk of why they have so much money. And so I think that there's some names up at the top there who actually make a ton of sense. So first and foremost, uh Bill has two teams that he kind of lists as wild cards. And I kind of would just put these, I don't know, like with a less nice name, I would say this like the, the baloney round. He's got the dolphins and the commanders. And I just don't think either one of them would happen. First of all, uh, Tua has not been good in the NFL, but he had a much better season in 2022 <laughs> than he had had uh, previously. He's trending in the right direction and, And he had some games where he was absolutely electric. And I just, I I don't see any indication that the Dolphins are thinking of moving on. And I also don't think that the Dolphins have the ammo to go get Rodgers. They don't have a first round pick this year. And I don't think that the Packers are going to want to trade future picks. And I don't think they're going to want to take less than, um, well, they're not going to take less than a 2023 first round pick to move Aaron. I I just don't think just when I say they would not trade future picks. I, I just mean that a future pick would feel less valuable to them than a current pick. And so I don't think that they are interested in waiting until the 2024 draft to start getting some payoff on this trade. So just Miami just doesn't seem like a realistic option. And then Washington frankly is a mess. And I don't think that Rogers has any desire to go to an organization that he would not have confidence in. And, and Washington clearly is like, I mean, every single day when you open up the news, there is a not insignificant chance that you are going to read about some just franchise altering story. About the Washington commanders, they are in the middle of of trying to get this team sold. Uh, the the place is not run well. Uh, you like Ron Rivera, but you don't like the rest of the front office <laughs> uh, in the slightest. You don't have any faith or confidence in the way that they run things. Rogers is too smart to want to go there. You know when Brady went to Tampa, Tampa was a little bit of a laughing stock because it seemed like the quarterback position was a joke, but then the rest of the team was, was pretty good. They had some playmakers on defense. They had a really good offensive line and they had some really nice receiving options um for Brady to throw to. For that reason, I'm eliminating uh, the bears <laughs> I'm also eliminating the Texans. This is a, a, a an organization that NFL veterans around the league are refusing to go to. I'm also eliminating the Steelers. They have one of the worst offensive lines in football, and their receiving options are not good. You got George Pickens, who you hope will become something. You maybe have Deontay Johnson who is a very good slot receiver. Um, And then uh, their, uh, their tight end, Pat Fryermuth is good. He's, he's definitely a tight end that I like a lot, but in terms of guys on offense, the quarterback is far from the biggest problem that the, the Steelers have on offense. I, I just don't see that happening. They don't have the cap space to go out and build a team offensively while keeping their defense in, in in shape, even before you factor in trying to take on Aaron Rodgers' contract. It's just it's not going to happen. What about Tennessee? Well, Tennessee is number five on Bill's list. Uh, he highlights that Rodgers owns property in Nashville, which we know about. He's also friends with Mike Vrabel. Here's my problem with Tennessee. Tennessee... Um, let me see here. They are they have the uh, 25th highest graded receiving room. They were one of the teams that I listed this past preseason as having a worse wide receiver room than the Packers did. And then in terms of pass blocking, where is Tennessee? Dead last. <laughs> 52.4 pass blocking grade. Their offensive line is terrible. Their receiving options are terrible. Their uh, running back is obviously quite good. Quarterback was actually not the biggest problem that they had um, this past season. Their quarterback graded out higher than their offensive line or their receivers. So, I I just, man, I, Tennessee is going through a bit of an upheaval as well. Um, they're firing coaches. The, the only asset that you really have here, other than Derrick Henry, is Mike Vrabel. And I I just I, I think that if Aaron is going to leave Green Bay, I think he's going to want a much more built and ready to win situation than than what Green Bay is. And I think that I think Tennessee is actually less positioned to be a winning team in 2023 than Green Bay is. Now, the Colts are number four on Bill's list. And I think this is a very interesting team to talk about. The Colts don't have good receivers. They have a decent offensive line. It's not great, it's decent. They ranked 23rd last year on offensive line. They don't have a head coach. They do have a GM who makes horrific decisions every single year surrounding the quarterback positions. Position. Every single year he makes an awful decision about quarterback. I certainly think that he is going to either try and trade up number one and draft a quarterback over the Texans, or I think he will try and trade for a veteran quarterback. I also think that he's probably going to pick a really stupid quarterback (laughs) to try and trade for, you know, I, I, I think that he absolutely is the kind of guy to go out and try and trade for Derek Carr right now, which by the way would be one of his better, dumb quarterback decisions, but the fact remains they don't have a head coach. So Aaron is certainly not going to agree to a trade there until they have a head coach. And then it would have to be somebody that he really would be excited to play for. All right. The polar opposite situation from that aspect would be the New England Patriots. I don't think Mac Jones is it. Um, I really like Bailey Zappi. I would make Bailey Zappi the starting quarterback, but uh the Patriots offense was not good. And quarterback was certainly a huge factor there. I think, I think Aaron would certainly salivate at the opportunity to play with Bill Belichick. Here is the prohibitive factor for the Patriots. It's not salary cap. They got plenty of salary cap space. They could take on Aaron Rodgers. I think they could also take on Aaron Rodgers and, uh, and a a receiving threat or two. And I think you would have to do that because although they have a very good offensive line, they ranked 12th in the league in pass blocking. They had a 72.5 overall pass blocking grade. The best pass blocking team in the league. uh, The Eagles was only an 83. So not a huge gap, but their receiving options are just terrible. Jacoby Myers is their highest graded receiver. Let's see. Who was the most targeted? Uh, He was also the most targeted. Uh, 93 targets, 67 receptions. Uh, The one thing, uh, he had one drop all season, which was pretty good. Uh, Ramon Stevenson had five drops. Hunter Henry had three drops. Nelson Aguilar had four drops. Kendrick Bourne had three drops. Uh, Devontae Parker had zero drops. Taequann Thornton, the rookie, had three drops. So Jacob Meyers' one drop is, is pretty good. But just overall, it's an, an unimpressive group. Um, Devontae Parker was their fifth highest targeted uh, receiver, and he was I think he was the guy that everybody expected was going to be their wide receiver one this year. I, I don't see any kind of an upgrade here from the Packers wide receiver core to the, um, the, to, to the Patriots receiving options. You know, you, you have uh, a, a really good receiving running back, not quite as good as Aaron Jones, but still pretty good. Um, you have a tight end who is okay. He's good, not great. Hunter Henry has really fallen off since leaving LA, but is Aaron supposed to be excited about? Throwing to Nelson Aguilar, the second highest targeted wide receiver on the team. You know, Jacoby Myers is your one. Nelson Aguilar is your two at wide receiver. Kendrick Bourne is your three. Devontae Parker is your four at wide receiver. I mean, man, uh, t- poverty doesn't begin to cut it. I think there are three, maybe four or five options that are any kind of real consideration for landing spots for Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think the Ravens are it. They're going through some upheaval there. They fired Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator. They're in the midst of trying to re-sign Lamar Jackson to a contract extension. They don't really have any receivers. It's a very unique offense that Aaron is really not fit to run. I just don't think they're an option. The Seahawks have said they're going to run with Geno Smith. Now, would they take Aaron Rodgers if they could get him? I think they would. That is a team maybe you play ball with. They have a decent offensive line. They have some good receivers to throw to. Pete Carroll is a respected head coach. I think that is is a team that would be a good fit, but would the Packers and Seahawks want to do business together? Would Aaron want to go to the Seahawks? The Seahawks are my sleeper pick here, but I don't expect them to be, to be talked about very much. The teams that everybody is going to be talking about the most are the Raiders, reuniting him with Devontae. The Jets, they have no quarterback, but they have everything else all set up. I mean, th- this is a team that is, I think, just about built to win, and it just needs a quarterback. You got great receivers, good offensive line. Uh, fantastic running back production. Um, Sala is a guy that I think Rodgers really likes. You got a great defense there. This is certainly the team that makes the most sense. And then you also have the Falcons. The Falcons have the second most uh, effective cap space behind the Bears. The Falcons make so much sense here. They have. If you look on PFF and you sort. By highest pass blocking grades, and you also look at who has good receivers, good receiving grades. As you go down the the list, there, there is uh, one spot that kind of shines brightly. So you got the sea of sea of green and blue up at the top of all these good teams, and then there's one team that is green and blue across the board offensively, and then there's a, a Shiny yellow square over the passer rating. And that is the Falcons. 62.1 was the grade that they had for passing on the season. But they had uh, tied for the 7th best offensive line. And let's see. uh, 8th best receiving room. The defense leaves a little bit to be desired. It's not a fantastic defense. And I also don't know what, that Arthur Smith, the uh, head coach there, is a, a super respected name. You know, Is this a place that Aaron would want to go? But you are throwing to some enticing options. Drake London uh, had a really fantastic season. He had an 83.2 overall grade. Hardly ever drops the ball. He had two drops on 114 targets. That's really, really good. Uh, he did have, let's see how many fumbles did he have. He had a few fumbles. He had 3 fumbles on the season, so um that's something that you want to see him uh, clean up, but he's he's a rookie. Uh Zaccheaus is a, a fine number 2 for you there. You got a, f- a fantastic tight end in Kyle Pitts. He had a bit of a step back in year 2, but um I not a, a big enough drop off that you are really concerned about him long term. And then Cordero Patterson has really come along as a running back and he's a, he's a decent receiving back. Now, the one thing that is interesting and, and really downright strange is that they don't throw to him very often. He only had 31 targets on the season. I, for your number one running back, you would expect to see numbers more like 70, 80, 90 targets. So he only had 31 targets. Um, but he was uh, decently effective when they did throw to him. Uh, Demir bird is there. Um, eh. You know, just kind of who he's always been. Just okay. Kind of about what you got out of Al Lazard last year in terms of quality of play. Um, one thing that kind of breaks my heart looking at the Atlanta's receiving options, you have uh, Nicole Pruitt, who's a tight end I've been banging the table for for a very long time for the Packers you'll get because I just think he would be a fantastic fit. And he uh, was tied for the most receiving touchdowns on the team with Drake London. Graded out really well all across the board. Uh, 80.9 receiving grade. It, it absolutely breaks my heart that the Packers have ever tried, tried to go out and get him. I don't understand why because he has always played in this, um, in this uh, type of scheme. He was with the Titans when I first discovered him. Then he went and played for the 49ers. Now he's with the Falcons. I don't understand why the Packers didn't go get him. He's not expensive either. That just is dumb in my opinion. But I think that this makes some sense. Atlanta is a fun city. Um, I think Aaron would fit in there. I think he would enjoy it. But for me, it's the Jets, the Falcons, the Raiders, and, uh, and, and then the Seahawks are my sleeper pick. Now, Vegas, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the betters, not, not the Raiders, betting Vegas, has the Packers as the favorite team for Rodgers to start for in 2023. And I do think that that is where he's going to stay. But Adam Schefter says that uh, both the Packers and Rodgers have been discussing the fact that a trade is a, a realistic possibility. Um, and, and I think that when you look at where the Packers are at as a roster, I don't, Know that I really think that bringing Aaron back for just one year makes a lot of sense. I think if you're gonna feel like you can have him around for two or three years, then that makes perfect sense to bring him back. But I don't for just one year. It, I, I I don't see how you are competing for a Super Bowl in 2023. You know, maybe you are. Maybe you make some moves. Maybe some guys really develop, and the Packers really see a clear path to being contenders again. But I still think that they might be a year away. And if they are a year away, I I just don't see why you're going to bring Rodgers back for one, just one single more year. I think you got to have him back for at least two or three years in order for that to make sense. So anyways, I, I think that that would be an interesting scenario if he does get traded in terms of compensation. You know, it's gotta be enticing for the Packers because they would take on a dead cap hit of 40 million bucks if he's traded before June 1st. If you trade him after June 1st, you could spread that out across two years and have a cap hit of just $15.8 million in 2023. And then you'd still have a, a boatload of money in 2024, about, uh, 25 million bucks that He'd be counting for next year. It's it's really not prohibitive, but it's it's painful. I I think that the Packers would have to get a pretty good haul in exchange. I think there'd have to be at least a first round pick. It sounds like uh what is being discussed around Rogers Trade Value is that the short shelf life. You know, there, there's no guarantee that he's going to play for more than a year or maybe two years, that that diminishes his value a bit. Sounds like the sort of sweet spot is like uh, a first and a second round pick, which is exactly what we got for Devontae Adams. So if that is, in fact, what it comes down to, the teams who are earliest in the draft would have a significant, uh, significantly higher value there for that trade package. So the Jets are picking at pick 13 uh, in the first round and then 44 in the second round. Both times that is two picks earlier than the Packers' current picks. It would be interesting to head into this draft with pick 13 and 15 in the first round. Because if you're looking at the uh, the trade value chart, those two picks packaged together get you about halfway between pick number one and pick number two. Of course, pick number one is owned by the Chicago Bears. I don't think you want to give them anything. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'd want to trade with the Bears to get that number one overall pick. But you could trade with Houston for the number two overall pick. And if you, instead of packaging both first round picks, if you traded uh, your second first round pick, uh, call it your first first round pick, your first first round pick, and your two second round picks at that point, you still pretty much could get all the way right up almost to pick number two. And it's close enough that I think Houston just might consider. They, They might make you throw in like a fourth or a fifth round pick to seal the deal. But I think that they would really strongly consider that because they still have so many holes that they need to fill on that roster. And uh, Nick Casario uh, really is a good drafter. And I think the more picks you put in his hands, I think is a, is a really good thing for them. I think you could get the number two overall pick. If there was a quarterback that you really liked there, let's say that you, you know, the, if the bears can't get a deal done for number one, and they're not going to take a quarterback, and you really liked Bryce Young. I, I don't super like him, but let's say that you did. I think you have the ammo at that point to go up and get him. So the other teams you have here, uh, Seattle again, you know, I, I think the Packers would be more loath to do a deal with Seattle than with any other team, but it's interesting to consider that Seattle has the number five overall pick that they got from Denver. Now, if you, Traded it for the number five overall pick. You're not getting anything else in return. It's, it's just a one for one. Rogers for the number five overall pick. I, I really think that's, that's all you get. But you could really do some damage with that pick. That would be a cool pick to have. Now Atlanta's in not too much worse of a spot at pick number eight overall. And I think with it still being the same conference and and all that i think that at, with atlanta you probably could still demand something in addition to just the number 8 overall pick i don't think you could get a, a second rounder as well and it looks like where where is their second round pick why don't they have a second round pick i do not recall what trade they made that put them in this position but they have the number 8 overall pick in the first round and then they have the 14th pick in the second round. I don't know how they did that. Uh, That's just kind of weird. And then in the third round, they're 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. They're 12th in the third round. How did they... I don't understand this. Nobody else is jumping around like this. It's just the Falcons. Who did they trade with? This doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm looking at their trades. They did trade second-round picks... But that was last year. Those picks have already been spent. They, they swapped with the Giants. But that's, I don't know. That It clearly says 2022 second-round pick for 2022 second-round pick. What the heck did they do that affected 2023? I got a bunch of compensatory picks. But that doesn't affect anything either. I don't, this is weird. So weird. I don't know why they're... Are they picking at these different spots in the first and second round? I, it almost makes it wonder if it's a mistake. Regardless, so Atlanta. So in terms of who has the best picks, if you're to do a deal with Indiana or Indianapolis, they are at pick number four. Seattle is at pick number five. Vegas is at pick number seven. Atlanta is at pick number eight. And then Tennessee is at pick number eleven. So all these teams who we would be talking about making trades with they pick earlier than the Packers. So you're getting a, a pretty good first-round pick. You have two first-round picks you can really move around and play with or or take multiple guys. If Aaron Rodgers is only going to play for one more year or two more years, I really think that it is in the best interest of the Packers roster building. We'll leave everything else out. We'll just say only just specifically roster building. It's in their best interest to trade him and get as much draft capital as you can. And it's going to hurt in the short term. It's going to hurt the salary cap a bit. And obviously your quarterback position is going to take a big hit because you don't know if you have anything in Jordan Love and it might turn out that he's really not it. And Then you're in a big, big problem. But you were going to be in that problem in two or three years anyways, kind of no matter what. I still think Aaron Rodgers will not be traded. I think that in order of most likely to least likely – I think it's most likely he comes back in place for the Packers in 2023. Then I think it's most likely in second place that he retires this offseason, although I don't think that's happening. In terms of a trade, I, I think it is unlikely that he will get traded. But if he does get traded, I think you're looking at some some pretty generous compensation that you would be excited about to get in return. And you're looking at starting the rebuild one or maybe two years earlier. And no, you're not a Super Bowl contender in 2023. But I just think you have to ask yourself, do you think you're a Super Bowl contender in 2023 with Aaron Rodgers and the current state of the rest of the football team? Your answer may vary depending on who you are. I, I would lean toward no, but obviously it's still a possibility anytime you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers on your team. Oh, you know what? I never got back to the, uh, Romeo Dobbs thing, but I did save my initial rant. So if you're interested in that, I will just put that at the end of this audio file. So you're going to hear the outro music and anybody who does not care about the Romeo Dobbs dive into the numbers. Uh, you can tune out at that point, but I did do a little bit of a evaluation on was Romeo Dobbs actually very good for us in 2022 or not. So uh, that'll come later. All right. That's going to do it for me for today. Uh You guys have a fantastic day. Uh Don't forget. You can send in questions via Twitter at JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y. I did have some people sending in mock drafts to me. I think probably uh barring, any kind of news and developments, I'm going to go through some of those next week and just kind of react to the players that you guys are interested in. Might be a good opportunity to uh, dig into some of those guys and and talk about the strengths and weaknesses of each of these players. So that could be a fun thing to do. Uh, Let me know if that's something you want to hear, um, and if not, then send in some other topics that you would like to hear me talk about. And if you don't have Twitter, you also could just send a text to my Google voice number, 231-714-495, or leave a voicemail there, and I would play it on the show for you. Uh, all right. we got out of here, you guys have a fantastic day. Talk to you guys next week here on the PackerNet Podcast Network. wide receivers, and then you have a bunch of scratch-off tickets. Samori Toure, you think, could be a winner. In the very, very tiny sample size you've seen from him, he was fine. The Buffalo game was the big game where a lot of Samori truthers and fanboys started emerging. Um, He had three targets One reception for a touchdown, okay? 37 yards. It was a nice reception, for sure. But there were two targets he didn't haul in. Uh, The whole rest of the season, because that was by far his best game. The whole rest of the season, his whole season in total, he had nine targets, five receptions, just that one touchdown. He had 82 yards. And he had a... 13.3 thirteen point three fumble grade in week nine. So this is the week following that Buffalo game. He had two target or four targets, two receptions, and a fumble. Okay, I'm not gonna hold one bad game against him. The problem is he had one bad game, one uh, nice play in another game, and then that was it for the whole season. So you're you're banking on you know, the, uh, highlight play that you saw from him in training camp, uh, you, you're banking on what you saw from him in the preseason In the preseason, he had one really good game and it was the final preseason game. He had eight targets against Kansas city, caught six of those zero receptions. He had 83 yards, which is almost as many yards as he had for the entire regular season. But that was people's lasting memory of him is, hey, six receptions in a preseason game against the Chiefs in the final preseason game. Dang, dude. (laughs) And he had uh, three yards after after the catch per reception. That's great. 18 total yards after the catch. Man, you're telling me that you can't think of other wide receivers who have done that kind of stuff in the preseason and then gone on to do literally nothing ever again. This is not an anti samori thing. It's It's just the fact that he has not done anything. We don't know if he's any good. We have no reason to think he is good. He has shown us absolutely nothing that would make us think he's on track to be a good player at some point. His coaches, his wide receiver coach, Jason Vrabel, did not put him on the field. He had, after that Detroit game, he had one target the rest of the season. Against Chicago. He caught it for seven yards. That was all that he was entrusted to do the whole rest of the season after those two weeks. Uh, really it was, he had three game stretch from Washington through Detroit. Washington, his first catch of the year against Buffalo. He had a second catch and then against Detroit, he added two more catches, but that was the game where he had the fumble. So at that point you were at four catches and a fumble, and Jason Brable had seen enough. Benched him. Only let him uh, go out there for any kind of noticeable snaps at all in one game that was Chicago. He had uh, ten. Uh, he had ten. Let know how you say this. Ten passing snaps, but he only ran routes on nine of them. So I guess he was in as a pass blocker. On one of those, I'm not sure. Might be a mistake in the stats, but um, it's a little bit of a weird thing to see. Nine routes run on ten receiving plays. How's that? That was all he was entrusted to do, and he really just didn't see any action the whole rest of the year. This is from his coach, who plays with or who who works with him every day and sees him play. Jason Vrabel is in charge of which wide receivers get snaps. And you had huge chunks of the year where you didn't have Romeo Dobbs. And Samori Toure is still not getting looks. You had a massive portion of the season where you didn't have Christian Watson. And the final three games of that stretch, Samori Toure got um, a little over 50 snaps in three games so he got his opportunity there when Christian Watson was out he didn't perform it was not good and his wide receiver coach said all right that's it we'll try again next year so I'm just saying we have two wide receivers Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and you hope you have something in Dobbs but he didn't have a good season he had a couple of good games But he did not have a good season. Christian Watson had a great season. Uh, I mean, the, the, the biggest negative about Christian Watson's season was how much time he had to miss. And then when he finally was able to play, he was electric. No complaints. Romeo Dobbs, on the other hand, he had two fantastic games. The first Detroit game. And then the Rams game. And those are kind of sandwiching his absence. So week 9, he gets hurt. He comes back in week 15. And those are the two games where he graded out the highest. Uh, He only had six receptions in those two games. uh, But he was targeted six times. So it was a good look for him. Prior to week 8, he had had two good games. Week 1 against Minnesota, he had 5 targets, 4 receptions for 37 yards and a 68.5 overall grade. Week 3 against Tampa, this is the one where I got excited about him. 8 targets, 8 receptions, a touchdown, 73 yards. He did have didn't he have a fumble in that game. Where is it? He did have a fumble in that game and then he had another fumble the next week against New Orleans or New Orleans, New England. And then that was the beginning of a four-game kind of horrific stretch for him. He was really bad against New England, really bad against uh, the Giants, really bad against the Jets, and then bottom out against the Commanders. He had four targets, zero receptions, 43.6 overall grade. Um, he did have a drop in that game. So that was his worst game. Uh, Then he has a bounce-back game against Buffalo. Five targets, four receptions, a touchdown. Pretty good. Then he has his uh, really short appearance against the Lions. He had one target, one reception. 88.4 grade, gets hurt really early in that game, is knocked out for six weeks, comes back in week 15. He's on fire. Five targets, five receptions against Buffalo, 55 yards, no touchdowns, but an 89.1 grade. You're excited. You're like, man, he's back. Eh, not so much. The following game, he has significant drops issues. He had uh, two drops. Hang on. Yep, this is the Miami game. He had two drops, five targets, two drops, three receptions, 36 yards, zero touchdowns. Then he has a bounce back game against Minnesota. Four targets, three receptions, no touchdowns. Uh, His last touchdown, by the way, came against Buffalo. And then against Detroit, stinker game, two targets, zero receptions, two drops. It was not a good season for Romeo. Now, he certainly flashed some stuff that you like. Um, Seemed like he had a lot of of concentration drops. He's got to clean up the hands. He's got to get more polished. I think he can become a very valuable asset, but right now he is not. Right now it's Christian Watson and then whatever you hope Romeo Dobbs can turn into. And that's it. You have a, a bunch of scratch off tickets. You got Toure, Bo Melton, and Jeff Cotton. And then Rogers is publicly advocating to bring Lazard back. Lazard who said, you know, uh, expletive, expletive. I don't know where Aaron's going. I'm only going to worry about myself. And this is my last game ever with the Packers. That's what Lazard said. He got Rodgers advocating to bring Cobb back. Okay. Let's say that Lazard refuses to come back because that sounded like where his head was at. Let's just say that until we hear otherwise from Lazard. Let's say you got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, your scratch-off tickets, and Randall Cobb. Man, you need some more bodies in there you need another body, like a, a competent body. Like a high draft pick or a decent free agent. I mm. This is different than when we had Devontae. This is, I think, still a position of need. And in 2022, the Packers clearly thought that they had something in Al Mazard. Do they still think that? I would be surprised if they still think that. So they need to add somebody. All right. To anybody who stuck around, that's the end of the rant. That was where I decided I was getting way off track and restarted the podcast. So hope you enjoyed it. Um, there you go.